Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag. And I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right? I mean, no, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays a means floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get a mean in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done. Tom, favorite over-the-top sandwich? Shack Stack. What the hell is a Shack Stack? Shake Shack's portobello mushroom, fried portobello mushroom on top of the cheeseburger. So you have a stack of a portobello mushroom burger on top of a cheeseburger, and it is so delicious. I love that. I'm not sure where I come down on the is a burger a sandwich or is it its own carved out 
classification, um, but I will grant it to you. But the answer is the deep fried Creole barbecue shrimp po'boy at Parkway Bakery in New Orleans, Louisiana. Well, that's a good answer. That's a great answer. This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, I have whiplash. I have whiplash. I, I watched three different broadcasts on three different platforms. I saw a quick fire disguised as Lost Ch- Last Chance Kitchen, or was it Last Chance Kitchen disguised? Or was it a bake-off? Or what, or, what? I don't know. And then we saw a picnic team challenge, but whose elimination was then delayed for those of you on the... East Coast did not go to bed knowing uh, who won the week. Um, not to get into programming producer notes and meta structural commentary, Tom, but uh, I'm a little confused. Are you? Yeah, it was not a, a great viewer experience of just like, you know, we, we have these supersized episodes, Kevin, this year. And I was like, there wouldn't be any, you know, opportunity to like have to tack on an on demand part two epilogue to be continued. But here we are where it was a very confusing episode from the very beginning. The jump was this quick fire slash last chance kitchen final round with uh, Dale and Begonia. That was kind of part of the competition, but it wasn't a quick fire with all the rest of the chef testants. This was, uh, I feel like my head is spinning. I feel like I just got off a roller coaster ride and I don't know which way is up. And literally, you just watched the last. You just watched the elimination, like literally five minutes ago. Yes, yes, because I w- I went on demand uh, on the TV, and it wasn't there. Maybe I was looking in the wrong place, and so I just assumed it wasn't up yet. And then you directed me to the website, and so I watched it on the website. Uh, and there was a pantry out the back of a BMW, um, and there was a fillet, uh, <laughs> a, a beef fillet that was made. I, Let's you know what? Let's just start. We'll, we'll go through it, but, there, there, yeah. but, but I, we'll I, it, it, it's funny. And, and we love Top Chef. We love Last Chance Kitchen. We love the good people um, at, 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 at Comcast and the Overlords. We love the little elves. I, I, I would just say that um, if, if there's any polite instruction or, or commentary to to the good people who make these decisions, like, I mean, I, you know, it's like I get home from dinner at nine o'clock, Tom, uh, or I get home from dinner at eight o'clock. Like I watched the episode as I often do from the six o'clock recording on Bravo and then, you know, went over to my where do I stream? I stream it in any number of places. I stream it on Peacock. I stream it on Bravo. Uh, I did not find it. It wasn't until I was slipping a ground around 915 that I saw the finale. Guys, like just we understand you need to promote the digital product. It's a little unreasonable. Like Tom is not a Luddite. He's not my grandfather. He generally can I, I can attest to having worked with him and being his friend. He can generally work his way around digital platforms like if that dude can't find the content like you know like just finish the episode in the episode just do it over the air um yeah yeah but you know what kevin we had a lot what that means is we had a lot of action a lot of action a super size an excel version an overtime um we didn't just go uh you know a four quarter game of basketball we got overtime and possibly we could argue that it was a triple overtime game because we had the Luciana last chance kitchen and Begonia and Dale beforehand. Um, we haven't covered that, but basically, um, we are now down to two last chance. There was one notable kind of thing in that last chance kitchen, which is 
Tom kind of threw out one of you. It's a three way. It's a three way cook off. Someone's got to do crunchy. Someone's got to do chewy. Someone's got to do creamy. But Goenia just kind of decided unilaterally she was doing chewy. The other two contestants, Dale and Luciana, assume, probably rightly, that there would be a discussion. (laughs) But Goenia just, nope, nope. We got 30 minutes. She starts running. She gets her squab, good chewy item. Starts getting her mushrooms, good chewy item. And she just goes, leaving kind of Luciana dumbfounded at the fact that, I guess I'm doing crunchy, but still decides to do squab. Oh, that was not so exactly good. a crunchy item, but she kind of cooks the hell out of it. Does crunchy cassava yeah. with it, the crispy skin. She loses. Um, Begonia wins. Dale moves on a second place, and that's what gets us to the quick fire, right? Yeah, and just a note, like how Tom Colicchio was so just stunned that, like, not only did they one person do squab, two people did squab. He's like, what? Because it was a progressive dinner, right? Like they were supposed to kind of work together to do a meal and it just became clear. It was an appetizer, it was a main and then a dessert. And so imagine ordering squab as an app and as a uh, a squab tasting menu. Yes. So, Kevin, we we need to add it to the lexicon. Uh, to the to the encyclopedia of Top Chef. This is not Top Scallop. This is not Top Chef. This is not Top Squab. Here we go. This is not Top Squab. We should see Squab more, though. Um, It is a a good protein. So we got basically looking at, uh, wait, what's this quick fire? Oh, it's actually not a quick fire with the whole group. It's Begonia in a cook-off with Dale that is Last Chance Kitchen, the final round, the final Mortal Kombat uh, character that you have to beat. And it turns out they have to make two towers or multiple towers for tea time. Yes. This was confusing too. And and poor Begonia just juggling these plates like she's some sort of Houdini running across the room, falls, and it's just a total disaster. Kevin, this this makes me feel like as someone who drafted Begonia, we need, we need more than an hour to do this. This is not fair. This is cruel what they did to Begonia. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, some of it's self-inflicted, and, and, I, and I'm a huge Begonia fan. In fact, I can't recall a contestant I've loved more who wasn't on my team. Um, so each of the... T- uh, each of the chefs had to make one of those little finger sandwiches, sort of the the bad British version of like the Japanese milk bread sandwich, but kind of cut in little finger sandwiches. Had to do a scone, which is a biscuit that also uh, that um, that's I, I, it's, I, we, we will discuss scones differences from biscuits some other time. And then a pastry. Right. And so those are the three components. You got to do three. but You got to do them on seven towers, which take forever to <laughs> plate because you got to put the little plate in the little rim and. And um, but going didn't do herself any favors for the first point, she decided to do and add an unnecessary component to her scone, which was a compote of beet and tomatoes. What makes the scone is kind of the easy item here. Right. In the sense that, yeah, it's difficult. You have to come up, you know, you have to do the dough and everything else. But once you put it in the oven, theoretically, and certainly the, the way Dale did it is once you take it out, it's done. Like you don't have to spread or spoon anything additional on it. So. I would say Begonia did not help herself. In fact, that was the thing that was missing from everything was the scone with the compote on it. Um, and it's because like she actually gave herself an unnecessary component. I thought the eclair was a little um, more intricate in terms of getting it on the plate, right? Because you have the pastry, you got the cream, you got to do the cream with a little, little swirly. Um, whereas Dale just does a ginger cake thing and a little dollop kind of a mango compote, which he didn't get onto every single cake because time was of the essence there. So I think she didn't help herself. And then obviously the the thing she couldn't control, which is the spilling the plates, which was just 
um, just terrible to watch. Um, really just, difficult. It, I, we, we had Sarah on last week and Sarah has her own scoring system for like if you get DQ'd because you didn't get a, a, a dish out to the judges. Um, now it makes sense because Begonia should have been DQ'd from right, right, right from the beginning. Cause she didn't get a dish out. And so yeah. it was totally anticlimactic. I felt so bad for her because she knows, she knows the verdict here before, like, why do we have to go through this parade, uh, or the charade of here's the, here's the, this dish and this, this dish, and we're going to review this dish when we know that she's done, she can't possibly win when she didn't put out the dish. So it was, it was a huge bummer, not just because my, my chef Begonia, um, was gone, but it just, it, it, it was, it was just kind of, it, it didn't work. That, that whole conceit didn't work for me because it was just, the, it took all of the drama and tension out of what should have been a really interesting, um, dynamic. It was just, it was gone because I get, I guess you could argue that was Begonia's fault. You know, that wasn't, you know, the, the structure of the challenge, but it was, uh, obvious from the beginning, as soon as she wasn't able to plate it, it was done. So I'm so sad to see Begonia out. Um, I could not have imagined this turn of events that she would go to last chance kitchen this early and then get back into the competition one foot in and then not be able to plate a dish out on time. It's very sad. However, Kevin, Dale gets immunity out of this. Yeah, I thought a little great inflation there, right? Whoa, whoa. I was like, oh, wow, Dale is back. That's great. And then they gave him immunity. And if I'm the rest of the contestants, I'm like, what the heck? This guy just shows up at a last chance kitchen. He's already been eliminated once, but he gets it in the immunity now. See, actually, one of the things we've talked about is sort of the early readmission is not something we love. I would actually go the other way and say, if you are ever readmitted from last chance kitchen, you are not eligible for immunity ever. That's right. That's right. Like you, you should be in your own special little category. Um, or like if you're in the bottom three, you're automatically sent home. I mean, that might be a little bit drastic, but just the idea of you getting in back into the competition, you should be playing from behind. You shouldn't be on third base. And so I think when you're talking about this, uh, I think it's probably some sort of like filming thing where, you know, we just got him back into the program. We're not quite ready to do a last chance kitchen set. And, and it would be kind of dull if Dale went back to last chance kitchen. Do you send a guy back to last chance kitchen? If I've already been there, should we do that on world all stars? But I was a little surprised that they did the immunity thing. Um, and he's super excited because he gets a hug from Padma. He's emotional. We find out he's a triathlon athlete and he was a, a huge dick back in the day. Um, I did not <laughs> that was know kind that. Of a surprise that, that, that I did not, I did not have him as that. Yeah. Didn't peg him as a, as an, an absolute tyrant in the kitchen. No. Um, but maybe, you know, he got a little Joe Sasta with the mustache and he just, he just became you know, a little bit mellowed out after over the years that I guess triathlons do that to you. Indeed. And we go to the elimination, which is do a picnic basket as a team. Um, the teams each have a budget of what it was a 250 pounds. Is that correct? That was split between um, two different retail establishments, right? 
That's right. The the official grocer. I even forget Fortnum what the Mason. name was. Fortnum and Mason. Uh, it is. Uh, it is quite the. Uh, is it, it like the Trader Joe's of England? No, 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 no. It would be more like the absolute deluxe gourmet shop of all gourmet shops. Okay. Of of London, right? There's one. I know there's one near King's Cross Station. Um, there's one in Piccadilly. Uh, I think there are a couple of others ones. I think they're. I think they've opened around the world elsewhere, like maybe Hong Kong. I can't remember, but um, it's, it's, yeah, it's not it's Italy a, it's a big or deal. anything. Yeah, it's kind of an Italy type experience, but with a British tinge, which means not as good. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So they do. They have a budget there, but the mileage is is really small at that. Like the budget yeah. at that place. I mean, yeah, you, you can caviar, all these premium items, right? And then they have a Whole Foods budget. Uh, and Tom, uh, what a what an off day for yeah. Tom. Just everything. He he just salvaged it at the end. I have a rant about those sandwiches at the end. Um, but this Chipino salad that he spent the entirety of his budget of his team's budget was such a poor decision just from a uh chemistry standpoint or a team aspect it's just you're hogging the ball and you're a 30 percent shooter right right like you're you're hogging the ball for what for a chipino salad which doesn't even make sense kevin i mean the point is i think there is a chipino salad that makes sense right like let's just say you do kind of chilled beautiful chilled seafood with Lovely tomatoes, maybe some orange, some fennel, other herbs, and a lovely vinaigrette. Like, I actually think it sounds like it's kind of what I want for lunch, right? It should, I mean, tomatoes with the acid, the seafood is can be lovely and rich, and if you poach it, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, it's not a terrible idea. The way he did it, like, why are you doing a tomato gel? Yeah. Like, no, like you know, no. it, it, it's a picnic. Like, and I know – Tom has this very stubborn streak, like we saw it in the in the cookie biscuit competition where he decides he's going to make it. He's a little bit bratty. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't mean that like – I mean it's obviously pejorative, but I, I don't – like he's just kind of a – he is he's stubborn. He's an independent spirit, and if he doesn't like the parameters of the challenge, he's just going to do it his way, the way he would do it. Well, that's all well and good except that they are the parameters of the challenge, so you're going to lose. And you know, in the process of trying to make this – you know, this, this, this tomato gel with all these other 10,000 components is it wasn't even a good version of the thing he was trying to do, which I don't think was like intrinsically a terrible idea. Like he actually, spent I'm, a small country's GDP on caviar exactly. chips that were forgettable. Yeah. And I think that was the problem. And, but I was disappointed because I feel like Tom is sort of a sleeping giant in this competition in the sense that up until this week, I felt that way where, you know, he can really execute a lot of different stuff. Um, he but he's kind of a little bit of a brat like, oh, I'm just going to make a bad cake because I have immunity. Oh, I'm just going to make a cake instead of a cookie because, well, I hate. Co- what, what was his excuse? I don't like dry cookies. Well, tough shit. <laughs> like, OK, <laughs> I, it's a competition. Like I, there's a lot of stuff in my work I don't like either. You have to do it right. He's a little bit of a brat. Um, and. It kind of came back and almost killed him, if not for being able to go up against in the final elimination that you did not see until five minutes ago against the chef who just has the weirdest taste in in, in, in Top Chef history, like he would have been gone. So I wanted to ask you, uh, I forgot to mention this uh, a few minutes ago when we introduced the elimination challenge. Did the Downton Abbey scene do anything for you? Um, is Eric Downton Abbey fan? Because I know my wife is, but... 
Allison, she isn't caught up to this season yet, so I haven't gotten her take on this castle. I I was a huge fan of like the first um four four or five seasons of this show. I really oh, yeah. did. I, I okay. watched them all. I, I I've seen all fifty episodes or whatever. I haven't done the movie and kind of was disinterested in the movie. I'm kind of a leave well enough alone kind of guy. Like actually, I haven't even done the Deadwood movie, which is crazy because it's one of my five favorite shows of all time. Uh, I'm I'm sort of the hey. It, did it, you do the Breaking done, Bad done. movie? I'd not done the Breaking Bad movie, another show I absolutely love. And I'm actually doing a rewatch of Breaking Bad right now, kind of very gradually over the course of the year. Um, and your assessment on on rewatch still as good as you it, remember? It, or? It, it, tonally, what the show does is amazing. It's kind of why like, you start to just appreciate the – also the slow burn. It's not something you see in television anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it's a very there was this beautiful period of television in the late aughts, early 2010s, you know, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, where like the slow burn and you don't get that anymore. So anyway, it's great. But that's that's a different it's not a different podcast. I think that's a different podcast where a bunch of dudes talk about television. Um, But Downton Abbey, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And and the scene was kind of was lovely. Um, And, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of see I just wish Maggie Smith were there. That was my only complaint. So, so Sylvia does this chicken Borek thing that oh to me goodness. looked like, um, looked like quiche almost like a, a, a slice is, of quiche. I love Borek. Like it's one of like central Europe, central Eastern Europe has not done a lot for culinary tradition in this world. Like, let's just face it. It's a, it is, it is a lottery team in, in terms of culinary and, but the Borek is beautiful. Like Tom, when I went to Slovenia, um, it, it kind of you can find Bjork anywhere, like in that entire belt, kind of the whole well called the Slavic belt. And um, when I went to Slovenia last year, like it, it's sort of the street food of Ljubljana. And does it have these, lemon curd on it? Like, no, is that the curveball? Bjork is like a basically. It's kind of a I don't want to call it a knish because it's flakier. It's more spanakopita in in terms of at least the the the, the stuff in that part of the of Europe. Um, it's just a delicious flaky pastry filled with savory it could be meat it could be potato yeah. it could be i mean there's like, there's a great mushroom one there's this 24-hour joint i think it's called olympia Bjork in in Ljubljana, which is like we would go to like after we'd go out you know for drinks and like it, mm-hmm. it's just it didn't look anything like what sylvia was doing and then she said it was a water bureau yes you know what i love with my pastry a watery <laughs> pastry yes that's that's brilliant oh it's a combination of a sausage roll and a muffin and a burek like and then we don't want to put on it Vanilla salt. No, 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 not vanilla salt. Sweet lemon posset. I love Sylvia. Um, I love her even more for unintentional humor. I love her even more, even more because <laughs> Sarah loves her. And if Sarah loves her, I'm going to love her. Yeah. But I'm sorry, like anchovy and parsley cookies, um, vanilla salt on savory dishes, a lemon curd on top of a chicken pastry. Like, the woman's just – and look, and I don't mean to like insult the great Polish culinary tradition, and I say this as someone who is Polish. Well, Polish-Jewish, different story. But, I mean, I, uh, she's just weird. Like it, it's just – it's yeah. nothing is ever appetizing. I'm going through our catalog of notes here from the season. Everything she cooks is just seemingly unappetizing. And I mean, I look, I guess the white and borscht. It, look, it's not just us saying this. This is the no, judges who are the saying judges it. Are Tom, being... So they're being, they're being it's... so just uh, diplomatic in their responses where it was just, I think Tom just said that this was not a good dish, just straight up. Um, and it, it didn't look good. The, the menu, if you saw that item on a menu, you're not ordering that. You're, you're wondering no. if that was a misprint. 
No, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want anchovy. I mean, look, I, Begonia did some anchovies in, in a cookie, but that's different. But like, I don't want an anchovy cookie with shallots. I'm don't. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I love anchovies and I really love shallots. I am, I am, I am Anthony Bourdain uh, with shallots. Like yes. they are the thing that makes food taste great. Um, I don't even use onions anymore, for God's sakes. But she just has weird freaking taste, man. All right. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Gabri did the smoked fish uh, like... Do you do it your own salad with the oh, pistachio Lord. and spicy pesto, which um, when Gail bit into it, I think it reverberated on the Richter scale because it the explosion from that tostada or whatever. Can I, we have a conversation hate, about tostadas? I, I, I hate, you know, um you know, those tacos that you get at Walmart, the ta- the hard taco shells. That my, so like when we were growing up, my mom or would like make the Ortega like, taco shell, like on taco yeah. night. Yeah. Okay. I got you. No one enjoys eating that. I'm sorry, no. but like you bite into it and then it cracks down the length of the taco at the bottom and all the food falls out. It's the messiest thing, not in a, in a, in, in a, in an eating barbecue ribs is messy, but kind of fulfilling in that way. I hate it. I hate it. I hate that stuff. Right. So when, when Gabri was giving that to the judges and it was just exploding and snapping into a million pieces, this is the opposite of picnic food. Exactly. I don't need to be grabbing shards of tortilla off the grass, you know, because it is that combustible. So I just the the whole idea of like they didn't even know what to do with the dish. Um, it might have tasted amazing, but I just feel like it was the wrong the wrong meal for the wrong challenge. It didn't work. So Gabri, Tom, Sylvia, man, this Gabri was, was kind to- of. Because quasi bottom, right? Like we think he was clearly just above the bottom of those two, right? I would say, I would say yeah. so. I would say so. It, it, I think it had okay flavor, but it wasn't a total misfire like Tom and Sylvia. So yeah. I do. Love, um, I will say this: I do love the compressed watermelon with like a smoke, uh, like with a ceviche fish. And I why mean, didn't the anyone do a ceviche? Well, he did basically. 
He was kind on of a did. Like, I know. It was like, it's like the it's the version of the ceviche that comes with the chips that you kind of use as a pusher. Um, almost to kind of you put the ceviche on. The, I'm with you. Like I, I and actually I say this as someone who does. Like I, I don't mind messy food. Like I, I there's something fulfilling about getting your hands dirty on a savory meal and looking your fingers. Like, but I've always found the sort of the massive tostada that just cracks upon impact and goes everywhere. And then you're basically using a fork to kind of collect the scrapnel. You know, you have from, to wear yeah. goggles to eat yeah, these exactly. tostadas. Um, but but yeah, I, I'm surprised no one did a ceviche. Given although I tell you why no one did because it had to sit all night and day, and that's the why. That's why. Mm, can you can, can you chill it? Well, yeah, just overnight. It's just like raw fish is just something you want to kind of go right right into. I think that's – which is, you know, there's a reason, you know, Nicole kind of – and we'll get to Nicole in a second. But like I think the kind of the the cooked chilled salmon works best. All right. So Amar does the rum raisin fly. Oh, that looked Uh, good. Amar is – I'm all over Amar is sneaky good this season. He is delivering in a very just non-unassuming way where he just seems like he's – He's kicking back, probably putting back a few beers um, and just cooking his ass off, Where whereas everyone else is scrambling and like sprinting around dropping plates. He just like there's no drama with him. He just he loves everybody, especially Ali somehow on his team again. And he puts out an amazing dish and ode to his mother who who helped raise him and uh, being the caregiver for his father at the brain tumor. This was just like Amar with the pineapple and sage marmalade. And they said it was perfectly cooked. There were no bubbles in the flan. Um, uh, and one of the remarks was mama taught you well, Amar is on my team. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, I'm, I, I don't want to say he's a favorite or he's a contender to win this whole thing. I just want to say bravo to Amar. He he's doing a great job recently. Yeah. In the last few weeks, he's really found his own confidence. He's kind of his identity. I'm the old guy. I'm unflappable. Um, it, it, it works and, and he is, yeah, he's just, he's cooking well and kind of doing it sim- simply, right? Like a big braised lamb shake, a flan, like it is very homey cooking. He's not yep. overly, he ain't chefing it up, right? Like he is not chefing it up. And it's interesting because generally speaking, you can say there's sometimes a ceiling once we get later in the competition on that kind of cooking. But right now it's just working. The guy is in a zone, uh, not as much as a zone as Ali is though. And the the Mahamara was with the pickled was it the pickled wal, pickled walnuts yeah um yeah. I didn't know like pomegranate nuts. vinaigrette oh yeah. I mean just that acid with that rich pepper I love like that dip um and by the way just major respect for just being talk about like unflappable and, and detail oriented getting the paper towels in if you're going to use because that's tough like you want to do a lettuce cup but you want this shit's going to sit overnight right and so like lettuce wilts but you have to be really good with the paper towels to absorb up any kind of 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 the moisture that that's emitted from the green like the guy is just a professional freaking chef right now and he is cooking his ass off I'm going to admit something here. Uh, I have a crush on Ali. When he was, when he had a t-shirt on, he looked ripped and then he jumped over a table. Did you see that? Tom, is there something you want to tell me? <laughs> I just, I don't know. I drafted in number one and then I'm watching this episode and I'm like, why did I draft that dude number one? And I know there was the whole like social media, like he had a billion followers on Instagram or something like that. But I'm watching and I'm like, he's kind of jacked and he just oh, jumped yeah. over nonchalantly over a table 
And I find him to be uh, very good looking, very good in the kitchen. And I just think I have a crush on him. Yeah, no, in the the language of my partner, he is winning. He is winning. (laughs) He's winning at life. So he does this, the the Muhammara that was, I got to be honest, it it didn't seem like the lettuce wrap was going to be the way to go, but apparently nailed it. Um, And so he gets, it's it's weird to say, but he's in the bottom because he was on the losing team. But Kevin... Do you think Amar and Ali, with either of those dishes, do you think they would have been a winning dish if it was just an individual challenge? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Nicole clearly had something that the chef just absolutely loved. It was so picnicky and and and, and perfect and bright, um, and, and kind of substantial. But yeah, clearly, to me, what I heard them say was, um, there were three top dishes, and two of them happened to be on the losing team. Like at yes. least to me, it seemed like if they were going to put together a, a a judges table of three. Of the you had our three favorite dishes of the day. I think it was very clear to me that it was Nicole, Ali, and Amar. And this is sort of one of the problems with sort of the team competitions that are actually individual competitions, masquerading as team competitions, because it wasn't like oh the composition of the basket. You had a protein and you had a this and you had a sweet and you had a fruity and you had like now it was basically everyone do their own thing and throw it into a bas- basket, right? Like it wasn't really. I don't think it was a, other than having to fight over resources at the grocery stores. I don't think it was really a team competition, but yeah, it seemed to me that if they were putting together our three favorite dishes today, it was a Leah Mar and then Nicole, who we'll talk about on the winning blue team. So I want to, for our listeners who are scoring at home, uh, this is kind of a weird episode. This is a tricky one, but what I landed on and when I, and Kevin and our producer, Anthony Mays, uh, he said, Hey, you know, sometimes, uh, pitchers can throw nine shutout innings and not end up with the win. Okay. So it happens. You can be great, but you're on a, a losing end of a, a game that happens in baseball. It happens in any sport happens in life. Amar and Ali don't get five points for being one of the three best bish- uh, bitches, uh, dishes. Ali gets two points. Amar gets two points. We have Victoire getting two points. Um, and then clearly the bottom two were, Tom and Sylvia, we Gabri, we also gave, gave two points here. Um, so we didn't give them all zeros. Basically, we kind of went in the middle, gave them two points, which is what we would have done if they were in the middle on a, you know, individual challenge. And so Amar doesn't get five. Ali doesn't get five. He gets two. And then the blue team, they all get five. And Nicole gets 10 for her Niswa salad. Um, I actually scored this, Kevin. I thought the top three in the blue team, I had it as Buddha, Sarah, and Nicole. Yeah. And I actually had it Nicole number one, Sarah at number two, and Buddha at number three. And I actually think I'm going to push back a little bit. Maybe it's just that we just had Sarah on the show. But that broccolini, the charred broccolini with the manchego, the lardo, um, yeah, black the walnut, truffle, truffle vinaigrette. vinaigrette. Yeah. Kevin, I'm ordering that 11 times out of 10 on a menu. Yeah, it's a great it, – it's also, what I liked about it was like charcuterie is sort of kind of a foundational thing in a picnic, right? Like you bring some meats, you bring some cheeses, you bring some nuts and fruits to kind of – and like I love that she essentially said let's do a charcuterie board but have as sort of its base this charred broccolini. Oh, I love charred broccolini. Um, I do Kevin. too. I, I love kind of that um, – I'm not a big – broccoli guy but i'm a big broccolini guy kind of the ratio of of crunch to floret it's just better and that, that thinner stem but yeah that was a really good looking dish and um and buddha um i see to me i'm all about the banafee pie and there's no such thing as too sweet on that dish for me with the biscuit crumble 
Um, so Did he I, paint I, that thing? It looked so good. Like that was incredible. It was yeah. it was a piece of art. And and Buddha does this routinely where you're just yeah. looking at it. Like, how did he pull that off? Um, I guess this is part of Top Chef that you can bring molds and he's kind of notorious for having oh, a you, lot of molds. I was wondering if that was sort of something that they provided or he bought at the grocery store or was it like I think you're I think allowed to bring in that past stuff interviews home. that you're able to bring like certain uh, things from home that you're allowed you're allotted like okay you're allowed to have five items from home you know be a good but, top chef challenge for today's challenge you have to utilize a thing you brought from home yeah 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 or uh, or bring one thing from home that you brought with you yeah to the chef's table and now we're going to switch them up like oh, that's kind of the, smart. Yeah. We're, we're like, he has the banana mold and now they have to like, someone Nicole has to, has to use it. Right. Yeah. Nicole has to use the banana mold. And oh, that's smart. So Buddha, Buddha's golden banana with the biscuit crumble. Uh, it was too sweet for some, but I had like, I'd had like six checks marks next to yeah. the dish when it came out. I just thought, oh, that's going to be the winning dish. No doubt. It's the thing I would have. <laughs> <laughs> it was that, I just I love I love that whole banana caramel toffee category of dessert. That's just where I live. Um, Victoire de foie gras rolled in cabbage leaf with a sweet and sour sauce. Um, oh, she was on the winning team, so she gets five. Okay, yes, yeah, yes, okay. she does. She gets Go five. Um, so that, that that's what she did. There wasn't a lot of commentary on that. Um, Charbel did crudite with a beet hummus, a baba ganoush, a truffle dip, which is kind of a really good like kind of utilitarian picnic dish that you low kind ceiling, of always need high floor. Low, high floor, low ceiling. And he, and he nailed it by all accounts um, and cut his crudite very appealingly. But um, and that was that. And then Dale kind of saying, Hey, I'll do, I'll go simple. Uh, Cause I have immunity and I'm not going to use any resources. Um, did the deviled eggs with a little, little uh, dollop of uh, caviar on top, uh, deviled duck eggs. So I, I like this, what Dale did because it was tight it was efficient um he was able to help other people with his immunity whereas he could have gone in a different direction which is doing something totally crazy just because hey i've got immunity i'm gonna do something totally off the wall and just to see if i can pull it off no he does something that he can be a great team player here which is what i would have done in this circumstance because i feel like i was handed uh just a life jacket, a life preserver while I'm floating in the ocean. Like I, I don't see the reason why Dale should get immunity after coming back from last chance kitchen, but he used that opportunity to help out his teammates, uh, which I think is going to give him some brownie points with the rest of the crew. Yeah. Good team play. And, um, and also deviled eggs are delicious. Yes. Uh, Niswa salad with salmon, Kevin, what are your thoughts on that? Um, didn't think it was, the uh, if you had just given me a menu, I don't think this would have been the best dish that I would order. However, she nailed it um, with the salmon in, in plugged in for the tuna. Can you explain to me, Kevin, what is so offensive or what is so uh, like disturbing the substitution from tuna to salmon? Because Tom Colicchio did not like that. idea. Yeah, I think it's just people are purists and I'm I think you and I are both like this in certain ways about certain things, right? Like I get very, like I get ornery if you try to take the anchovy out of the Caesar salad or replace it with something else, right? Like, no, it's about like tuna nissoir is tuna nissoir, right? It's this combination of a, of a kind of an oil poached um, tuna 
with the, that olivey flavor and everything else, right? And then it's mm-hmm. it's made for tuna, and tuna is a decidedly different fish than salmon. But it wasn't like he, she was substituting it with a hot dog, right? No, know? exactly. And that that was sort of my thing is I actually thought it was brilliant because a salmon's more resilient than tuna, right? Especially if it's sitting overnight, it's a fattier fish, right? It's 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 more forgiving. Yep. Um, it's really hard to screw salmon up. Uh, I mean, you're doing kind of enlarged large batch whatever so it's like and and also salmon's just delicious like it's fatty it's this, like it's what you when i have lunch there's a reason that when you go to various restaurants it's like add salmon it's not add halibut or add tuna like it's add salmon and because it is just um you can cook it it, it has a high fat content um and so i loved it because i also love kind of the niswa i love the little green beans and the potatoes and the like I, it's a great salad it's a classic salad and i think tom is just a purist bless his heart and I love that he kind of copped to, hey, I didn't want to like it, right? Like he was sort of offended by <laughs> its reinterpretation. Some things are sacred, but he had to give it to her. And I and I and I appreciated Tom for for sort of copying to that, and also really appreciate Nicole for just nailing it. Um, I want to talk about Nicole here for a second. Yeah. Tom, pop quiz: Which chef testin? Don't look has more fantasy total points thus far after six weeks than any other. Is it Ali? No. Is it Amar? No. Is it Buddha? Our consensus number one? No. Do you know who it is? I'm it's guessing Nicole. it's Nicole. It's Nicole. You remember when I drafted her high? And um, and you kindly, you weren't you weren't incredulous. You just kind of wanted to know my thinking. And I said, I went back and looked at her scoring from Top Chef Canada. And this woman just romps. Like, she never's on the bottom. Like, she is just a juggernaut. She didn't just win her season. She kind of stomped through her season in a dominant fashion. And, you know, she has this personality that that, that is a little quirky. I think it's off-putting to a few people. Um, but the bottom line is she is just hyper-competent. And she keeps turning out dishes that, at the very least, on her worst day, she's kind of in the middle, on her worst day. Like, she doesn't screw up, and then she also just can execute and it's hard to win with a niçoise salad. As you said, it's not anything you ever want to order off the menu, Tom. And Nicole is just doing it. And this is kind of what I was hoping for when I drafted her. Obviously, I haven't seen those seasons, but I kind of looked at the stats. And and that is sort of where we're at now. She just continues to perform well. And there was sort of a really lovely um, story here because for winning, she also got $10,000. And she's been going through the very intricate process of adopting a child from Vietnam and um, that is expensive, and there are just all kinds of expenses that you incur. And so, uh, according to Nicole, she says that this ten thousand will uh, represent the final installment and in, in the adoption of a child that she's, um, you know, been, been been wanting for a very long time. What a heartwarming story! Uh, cheers to you. Nicole, um, I, I can't imagine the kind of relief just financially, all of the other things aside, but the, the financial barriers to doing this um, wonderful thing, it seems like this is the reason why we love Top Chef is it's a great cooking competition and a great reality show. But some of these little vignettes that they do on the contestants to make them not one dimensional characters on a on a superficial TV show, it's much more than that. And so that was really sweet and um, just very happy for Nicole, obviously, for winning this this competition, this um, challenge. But um, on top of that, just the significance of she's changing her life um, and, and someone else's life in a very meaningful way. So um, awesome. And uh, she does get the win here. I would say Amar and Ali, not to belabor the point, 
awesome dishes from them too. And if they were on the blue team, I think Nicole would have some serious competition. I think Sarah had an excellent dish. I'd probably order that. I'm I'm told that that is going to be on the Freight House menu uh, this week, starting this weekend, Kevin. Nice. If you wanted to go and get that broccolini with the manchego and lardo and, <coughs> and black walnut, it is going to be on the menu at Freight House in Paducah, uh, Kentucky. And thanks to those people who reached out, Kevin, by the way. We were throwing it out there as a possibility last week. Um, a bunch of people responded. Uh, that they would be in for a Paducah uh, pack your knives dinner. So um, I don't know what that says about our listeners that they will be willing to tr- get in the car and go to Paducah, Kentucky uh, to go hang out with us. But I would say it's very, very possible that this is going to happen. Thank you so much for those who are expressing some support to that idea. We, we might indeed end up. I, 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 we might just have to do that. I, I have, I have a middle America road trip planned at some point. Um, that is going to take me to Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Um, and so I might have to, have to <laughs> fold it into that. Um, Kevin, I wanted, I wanted to mention here, uh, we got a Tom Colicchio confessional here that we don't, we don't normally get this where, they're interviewing Tom Colicchio on camera about what he just saw in the kitchen. I love this thing. I, I told you because it's kind of it's like it's good mid game analysis. It's kind of like the halftime coaches uh, interview or, or the, the, yes. the, the quarter the quarter turn coaches interview. And and it's actually uh, he's actually saying something that's 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 effective. Like it, it's something that you actually want to know about instead oh, of pop being like, hey, uh, what do you think about that third quarter run there? Uh, what, what do you guys do? Well, we hit shots. Uh, also, his hilarious like what, what's going on with Silvia's dish? <laughs> like, it's just like like his his he actually rolled his eyes. I think like oh, I don't know. Um, uh, okay, yeah. so we got we got that out of the way, and then look, Kevin Padma throws this curveball at the end, which is uh, the bottom two chef testants, Tom and Sylvia. Guess what? Come over over here. Walk with me. I've got something for you. And there's a bake-off, which um, I get it. It was a longer episode. We had the quick fire that we had to fold the Last Chance Kitchen finale into the episode. And then there was the whole Downton Abbey thing that we had to do. Uh, We had the elimination challenge. But then there just wasn't enough time, I guess, to have the the final bake-off. Or they needed to do a last chance kitchen episodes, Kevin, what was your understanding about what happened? I I, I have no idea. Like I, I could be a combination of the two. It could be, Hey, they, they want to like LCK, you know, habituality is important. If, if people are accustomed to going to LCK and finding something every week, then you need to give them something. It could be that, Hey, an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, Hey, we we just, it's hard. Like we need an extra six minutes. Oh, why don't we just put it online? Let's just put it online. And yeah. it'll be great. It'll be a cliffhanger. And but uh, I did my bit up top. I, I just yeah sure. Look, it, it's it's every we're all getting used to as humans in 2023 of, of figuring out this platforming and what's streaming and where do I find it and wait, which company owns which company? Is Hulu got Fox programming? I, you know whatever it is, and it's hard. And I understand there's always gonna be frustration. I just like I just think that like, service your core fan a little bit better is just kind of what I say. I say that. And by the way, yeah, I, we love the episode. Um, I'm very happy with the outcome. Tom, you're a sandwich maestro. I'm more of a carbophobe. I know you have participated in many of the high-level, high-intensity debates about what constitutes a sandwich, what should go into a sandwich. I'm just curious, yeah, how do do you kind of size up a competition where you have to make a over-the-top sandwich from ingredients found in the trunk of a BMW? Kevin, why did Tom and Sylvia 
feel the need to put stuff on top of their sandwich. Kevin, I think Central and is, Eastern European custom, I have no idea what that was about. What what was that about? It's a sandwich. It's not an open-faced sandwich, and it's not a salad on top of a sandwich. Both of them did this. If one person did it, I would have said, oh, send their ass home. Both of them put things on their sandwich? That's not a sandwich anymore. That's a salad, an open-faced salad with a bread in one of the levels of that salad. This was asinine to me. I couldn't believe that both of them had done it, where, where Sylvia put crab on top of it. And my sneaky suspicion here is, Kevin, that the appearance of a sandwich irks them so much from a presentation standpoint that these two chefs would present a sandwich with nothing on top of the bread. It was so unappealing to the eye. Cosmetically, it was just, it was so... Uh, disturbing to them that they were going to have this piece of bread with no topping on it. They couldn't present it that way. So I'm guessing Sylvia saw him put some stuff on the top. And then she was like, well, it looks prettier than mine. And we're living in an Instagram era. So we got to make it Instagrammable. And the Instagramifying of these dishes, I hated it. It was so bizarre to me that they put the the stuff on top and rant. Second thing I want to note here is is it in 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 London? Is it filet mignon or is it filet min, mignon? Like I I was I was kind of thrown off by this. Whatever guy it is, it's it going filet. to be. Whatever it is, it's going to be overcooked. Yes. I never had a piece of meat in London that wasn't hammered. That was so that's it, been my experience in twenty five years. The di- the dish um, that Tom put together, uh, the Chipino sandwich, of course. Uh, Mr. Chipino is going to do a Chipino sandwich, a beef filet uh, with spicy tomato marmalade. Uh, I would love that dish. It sounds great. But, you don't he need to finally, put any- but he finally backed out. Like he finally realized this was, this was kind of, a, I'm hoping, a very important point for Tom because he's going with the Chipino sandwich. And then he kind of has this revelation. He confesses that like, you know what? bad idea like this is what got me in trouble like for all of his kind of obstinance about i don't like cookies or you know and you know it's like i'm gonna go get a piece of beef tenderloin right and i'm gonna do a spicy tomato relish and marmalade with watercress with a little garlic on the sourdough right like he finally realized like what was he trying to prove hey you know you, you want to have a bit of a laugh. Great. You'll be laughing all the way back to last, you know, to last chance kitchen. Do you want to continue in the main competition? Get over yourself and your little obsessions and just make a freaking steak sandwich. Cause you're going up against a woman who's going to put anchovies in like caramel or something. So like, you know, all you have to do is not screw this up. And he, and he did. He, he changed course right there in the, last chance kitchen right it's the sunk cost fallacy right kevin instead of looking at your failed chipino dish before instead of doubling down on it and holding on to it he decided you know what i'm gonna let that go and move forward which is the right way to go um and so sylvia does the champagne hollandaise uh andouille sausage is that the same thing as an andouille sausage kevin is this just a different pronunciation I, i don't you know actually it's funny for the first time in my life i realized that in apostrophe DJ, whatever, however it's spelled, might just be a different phonetic spelling than Andouille, as we know, A-N-D-O-U-I-L-L-E from kind of the Cajun and French. Yeah. And so I think I made that connection for the first time. <laughs> we, we just did it. 
Like, no. So I'm trying to understand, and then she put this salady thing on. Like I don't, like I don't mean a dog on Celia, who by all accounts is just wonderful. And like I just, I just don't understand the food, and maybe that's just cultural ignorance. Even though I'm basically a Polish. So origin. Kevin, it, your life changes when you realize that bread is just gloves. It's edible gloves, yes. right? So when you put the crab on top of the bread, your bread no longer becomes something that functionally works because, oh no, now I got to like use a fork and knife to eat this or what? The whole point of having a sandwich is that your hands don't get all messy from the spicy marmalade on the beef filet. The Earl of England, decide, Earl of Sandwich was like, yes, I need this. Give me this beef, but I need some bread so I don't mess up my hands. When you start introducing crab on top of it, it nullifies the whole thing. So she goes home and rightfully so from the from the conceptual standpoint of this dish. And Tom redeems himself with the beef filet sandwich, which was, you know, I, I, I would definitely go for that dish. Um, and Sylvia goes to Last Chance Kitchen, which uh, I think she's going to be the first one there. So we're going to wait to see who joins her. I'm sad to see her go from a personality standpoint. Yes. Um, but I do think that this, this, uh, elimination was, uh, it seemed justified from me sitting on my couch, fumbling away, trying to find the on-demand. Yeah. I, it's just a matter of time with Sylvia. Um, and it, it clearly it, Tom's, Tom's interlude <laughs> kind of appraising what she's up to with the Burek and the lemon curd, um, just kind of said it all, but, uh, she is, uh, just wonderful. I, 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 I'm never sorry to see her on screen though. I adore her presence in the show. So it just is, there's a juxtaposition here between two different things. And and one is uh, her bizarre uh, taste in food. And the other is just uh, her ebullient, lovely personality and, um, and good humor and good nature, um, which I appreciate. So uh, closing thoughts, Tom, I mean, we kind of gone through the scoring. Um, I, I, you know, I, I just kind of want to get your sense on where we are after six weeks. We're now in the top 10. Yeah, I think um, I think Ali is the favorite here for me. Uh, Buddha has been um, steadily, you know, doing good dishes, but hasn't been knockout um, like we thought he would be. Um, Tom, actually, like I was going to put him in that that exclusive circle of contenders for Top Chef. But I got to tell you, it's not just the food decisions that he's making, but it, like we've said, the personality um, conflicts or quirks of Tom are really uh, alarming to me, particularly in that moment when he was up there with the rest of his teammates. And one of the judges asked the team, like, did you guys get everything that you needed? Or did Tom's, you know, $160 or whatever, uh, his, his, uh, his big expenditures, did that hurt you? And instead of letting his teammates pipe up. Tom just barges in and says, yep, they got everything they need. Nothing to see here. And I'm just sitting there being like, brother, that is not good team uh, leadership there. Let them speak for themselves. And you, and they kind of played it up. The, the magical elves were like zooming in on Sylvia's face being like, I don't know about that, but that's it. It's a little bit of a red flag for me, Tom, in, in the rest of the competition. So I probably have Buddha, um, Ali uh, and now Begonia being gone. This is an open race, Kevin. And Nicole is barging in as our points leader um, in the overall point system. Uh, we have 
actually Charbel because he has never been in the bottom at this point, but I wouldn't, I, I don't put him in that upper echelon quite yet. I think Nicole, Buddha, and Ali, and right there, Sarah and Amar. I'm still waiting for Victoire's breakout performance. I think she, it's lingering there. Uh, but I think right now, I think Ali, um, my my new boyfriend, apparently, um, Ali is going to be, I think, in that exclusive circle. It is a parody season. It is a parody Top Chef season. For Tom Abistro, this is Kevin Ornimitz, and this is Pack Your Knives. Pack Your Knives.